Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Oh, come on. I know you lost an hour of sleep, but good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Good morning. All right. It's, it's one of those mornings where you're in church. Look around. Everyone look around. You're in church. You lost an hour of sleep. It'd be a perfectly easy Sunday morning to just keep sleeping in, but here you are. So thanks for being here. I have to share with you, since you're here, uh, some pretty exciting news. This is uh, a development of New Life Church. You know, for a lot of you probably don't know this, but New Life Manitou Springs is a part of other new lives in, uh, in the Colorado Springs, the Pikes Peak region. We're actually eight congregations, and New Life Manitou, uh, we rent space, New Life Downtown rent space, New Life East rent space, and New Life Midtown used to rent space. So here's some really good news. Uh, it starts off with kind of a, a sad story, but it ends up being good, that a church in the center of Colorado Springs, this church's name is Austin Bluffs Community Church. And it's Assemblies of God Church, an AG church, faithfully serving in Colorado Springs for about 40 years. They've gone through some transitions. They just, uh, they, a new pastor came in. He's only been there seven months. And the congregation has really decided to um, sell their building and, and kind of cease to be a congregation. A very sad moment in the life of a church. And it's very sad to think a, a church could be sold. And then kind of what we're seeing is churches being, church buildings at least, being bought by used car dealerships or uh, kind of office buildings or storefronts and things like that. And so this church was making that painful decision uh, about going uh, about that. And somehow one of them came to New Life first Wednesday last, just, I mean, this is just pretty recently. And a conversation started and the, the thought was, well, well, what if you didn't have to stop being a church and sell your building? What if you merged with New Life Midtown that is just uh, just a mile down the road. And so that's what has happened. We have some footage of the, of the building. So New Life Midtown is merging with this church. It'll be Pastor Jay Duncan from New Life Midtown. Uh, and, and so look at this building, a state-of-the-art, uh, wonderful building. Praise God for this. And uh, again and again, all throughout this process, people have been like jokingly smiling, saying, Manitou's next. So We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the Lord provides. If it's not a free building, who knows? But the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's turn into our Bibles. We're going through a sermon series on Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So you can turn specifically to Matthew 6. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which is a sermon that Jesus preached on a mountain. Thank you very much. Good job, class. And it's his longest teaching. It's his, it's his magnum opus. It's a wonderful, a full three chapters of Jesus' teaching, and some of which is very challenging. And today, he gives us a warning. He tells us what our personal devoted life to God should look like. It should come as I hope today will be both an encouragement and a little bit of challenge for everyone in here. I've titled this sermon, if you're writing down notes, I think that's a really good way to memorize uh, and, and be with the, the sermon and the word of God is to write things down. Uh, so if you're writing down notes, uh, put this down as the title of today's sermon, Our Faith should pivot. You know, like think about like basketball and you're pivoting, you're, you're coming from a place of private devotion to public demonstration. I'll read it again. Our faith should pivot from private devotion to public 
demonstration. So here's what Jesus says. Would you stand with me if you're able to uh, read Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, be careful. He warns us to be careful because there's an easy trap to fall into what he's about to explain of doing our good deeds so that people can notice. And so Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And then he gives three examples. The first one is this, verse two. So when you give, everyone say, when you give. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Don't do that. As the We'll talk about that in a minute. That's very bizarre, but the hypocrites seem to have been doing that in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Another example, verse five. And when you pray, everyone say, when you pray. When you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites. They love to, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. One last example. This is skipping down to verse 16 about fasting. Jesus says, when you fast, everyone say, when you fast. fast. Don't look somber like, oh, I'm so hungry. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, we want to live our lives uh, for an audience of one, for an audience of just you. Lord, may you give us inside of us the the light, your light, that we might live our lives and, and, and go about our daily, discipled, disciplined life for you, for your the reward that you will give us here in this life and in the life to come. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou Springs shouted. Amen. 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 You may be seated. There is an elephant in the room. Do you like that phrase? I kind of like that phrase. Like you're talking about something like, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room. Well, the elephant, I think in the room, if you've been with us through this series, if you know the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of you already know this passage and are familiar with it, you know that just a couple verses before this one, where Jesus is saying, do your good deeds in secret, He says pretty much the exact opposite. He says, do your good works so that others may see them and then they will thank our Father in heaven. So has anybody ever thought about this? Like in one sentence, Jesus is saying, hey, do your good works so people can see, let your light shine, you're the salt of the world, you're the light of the earth. And then here in this passage says, don't do your good deeds to be seen by others. So point one, I have a three-point sermon for you today. Uh, Point number one is practice your righteousness in secret 
and let your light shine. Practice your righteousness in secret and let your light shine. Two seemingly contradictory things that I think there's mystery in understanding and I hope to explain why this could be. So let me, let me tell you a story. You like stories? All right, stories of when I graduated high school, which is 27 years ago. Uh, I was leading up into my graduation, and uh, we sat down with a counselor, a high school counselor, to talk about the plans for the future. I was sitting down with my parents, who were, were here now. They were there with me then. And we sat down with this little old lady who was very wise, and we were just talking about, I'm going to go to the University of New Mexico. My, my family were moving, because my dad's in the Air Force, to Albuquerque and I'll go to University of New Mexico. That's the plan. Blah, blah, blah. Good job. You're going to college. Great work. And she said a statement that, that was very bizarre. She said, this is going to be, this next year is going to be the best year of your life. And this next year is going to be the hardest year of your life. And everybody was nodding in the room. And I was like, I didn't say anything, but I was like, What do you mean? Like, which one is it? How could it be the hardest and the best? That seemed ridiculous to me as a little high schooler at the time. But now, with all my wisdom, 27 years later, I look back and I was like, yeah, that, that was a really, really good year. And yeah, that was a really hard year. So Jesus is saying two things, and they're both true. And I think we all probably already know where this sermon is going. It all has to do with our motives and why we're doing it. Let me read for you the passage right before the one we read today. So we read about praying and fasting and giving and doing those things in secret. But let's go back in scripture, uh, just a few verses to Matthew 5, 17. This is the same Sermon on the Mount. This is the same teaching Jesus is in. And he says this, Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world. Town built on a hill uh, cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp under a bowl. So they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the, in the house. Verse 16 says, in the same way. So here's how you're supposed to live. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So Jesus is saying both things. Let your light shine and don't do it so that you will get the glory, that you will get uh, you know, the pat on the back from someone who is saying, good job, you're praying, you're fasting, you're giving in such a way. And Jesus says, don't give like the hypocrites do, they, they give with trumpets. And you gotta wonder, like, was this actually going on at the time? Like, like we have a little box in the back that people, uh, you can give to the church. And imagine if you like put something in the, in the box and like out from the, there's a room right there, the middle school meets in there. And like a little middle schooler came out with a trumpet. It was like, that would be bizarre, right? Like, like, did they really do that back then? Or the other example Jesus gives is that people would go out in the street corners and just start praying. And people didn't think that was weird. People thought, wow, that person must be so holy. We could look back at the ancient world. We could look at another culture and be like, oh, how silly is that? We would never do that. But I think, and here's where this sermon might get a little serious. If you looked at our culture, like there's a whole world that we've started for ourselves since social media that we, oh, everyone's like, ooh, this is coming too close to home. That we as a culture, we've become very braggy, right? About anything and everything we do. 
like the things we do, the, the, you know, just anything. We brag about it, we put it on social media, and that's become socially normal. So somehow, like this trumpet blowing thing, when someone gave, became normal, and it's just like, oh, that's what happens. When someone gives a big gift, you know, the trumpet people come out and they, they blow the trumpet. It's just a part of the culture. Like if we do something great in our world today, we put it on social media and everyone comments and how great it is, good job, and we get lifted up. And that's, that's maybe another culture would look in at ours and be like, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But Jesus warns against doing our spiritual righteousness just for show, just to show someone else how spiritually uh, fit we are. Let me tell you another story. Uh, this story, I, I've gotten to travel uh, and do missions. I love missions going overseas or I've done some in, in the United States mission trips where uh, I devote a week or so to serving at another church or an organization. Uh, I'm leading a trip this fall to Nicaragua, and would, I'll tell more about it a little bit later, but would love for everyone to consider uh, joining that trip. And there's something to be said about someone from another culture coming and seeing things differently and able to prophetically speak to another culture outside of itself. And so a few years ago, this is the story now, I was in uh, Tibet. I've gotten to go t- to Tibet twice for a mission work. And the first time I was there, we were on our way to the capital of Tibet, which is, anybody know? Pop quiz. Starts with an L, ends with an Asa. Lhasa, good job. And uh, it's a very holy place in Tibet. T- Tibetans are, uh, for the most part, Tibetan Buddhists, and they make their way pilgrimage maybe once a year, once in a lifetime to this holy city to them of Lhasa. And there's, a, there's some temples there, the Jokong and the, uh, what's the, the big building where the, 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 the leader of the Tibetan Buddhist, the Dalai Lama, it's his house, but he doesn't live there because he got kicked out because the Chinese government and so on and so forth. Thank you, Miss Winfrey. Um, anyways, we're driving into Lhasa and we begin to see people walking to Lhasa. And we're like, wow, they're in the middle of nowhere. What are people doing walking out here? Uh, and so what they were doing is making pilgrimage. So they would walk to Lhasa. Instead of getting, catching the bus, they would walk to make the journey harder on themselves because in their religion, you would have to work off the bad karma. If you've done bad things, you would have to work those things off. That's what they believe. And I always think like, man, they really need to hear the good news that it's by Jesus that we're saved and they don't need to walk 100 miles to a city to walk around and to spin prayer wheels and flags and all these things that Tibetan Buddhists do. They just need to receive the grace that God has for them. Amen? Amen. So uh, what they would do to make the journey even harder on themselves is they would, uh, every step, like some of them, for, for miles out from the city, uh, they, would, they would get down and they would lay all the way out. I don't know if the camera can see me. And they, they would lay all the way on their ground like this, spread out, hands out. Then they would stand. Then they would take a step and then they would do it all over again for a mile. I mean, what is that? Like a one mile per day that you'd be able to get? And the harder they could make the journey on themselves, the more they thought they, would, they were cleansing themselves of their mistakes and sins which, which is very sad for us as Christians. It's like, oh, it's only by grace. If only they knew that Jesus loved them and it's by grace. But what we saw on our way, we were like on this four-wheel drive vehicle through this you know, desolate Tibetan land with high mountains all around, uh, is people walking either alone or in groups. And as our car approached, they were just walking. But as we got close enough, we could see that then they would start doing the prostrations. 
We're like, oh, they're just, wait a minute. They're just doing it for us to see like cars passing by. They would, they would do it for a little while and we'd kind of be watching them in the distance. And then eventually they'd stop and just start walking again. And we're like, oh, man. Like at first we were just making fun of them. They're just doing it for us. They're just doing it for show. And then I thought, man, doesn't that, doesn't that ring a bell for all of us? Don't we all do that? In, in a way, Jesus is warning us against that type of faith. Point two is this, that we are to practice righteousness in secret. Practice righteousness in secret for an audience of one, the audience of God himself. And he will then reward us for that righteousness. He will reward us for those good deeds, for that devotion to him. And I'll get to that uh, later in this sermon um, and, and how grace and works all kind of goes together here. Um, But Jesus says each of these things, giving, fasting, and praying. He says, when you do these things, and I had you repeat as we were reading, I said, when you do these things. And so the assumption is that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you're doing these things, either giving, fasting, praying, and it's just a part of the, the life of a Christian. And so Uh, I bring this up not to shame you. In fact, I'm going to say what I'm going to say now and talk about prayer and fasting, and then I'm going to come back and say something really encouraging for you. So if if anyone in here is feeling like, oh, man, it's been a while since I gave, like I gave a gift that um, really cost me to lean into my faith. Like I think we all like like to give things away that uh, we don't really want anymore. We bring things to the Goodwill or thrift stores. We don't even want this stuff here. Here you go. And we could pat ourselves on the back. Oh, that's great. But really, it, the, the kind of giving that Jesus often talks about is the giving that really causes you to look inward and have faith that the Lord is gonna provide. Some of you give financially, weekly, uh, monthly, reoccurringly, and I'm sure you look at your bank account sometimes and be like, man, we really could have used that money to go elsewhere. We're gonna have to cut back and we're gonna have to kind of live on faith for a little while. That's the kind of giving Jesus talks about. Uh, the, the prayer, I think about, you know, the first time I heard of someone praying for like an hour was, was in my college years and uh, some friends that were gonna pray for an hour and I was like, for an hour? Like, that's a long time. Like, are you gonna, you know, listen to some music or, uh, you know, take a lunch break in between or are you gonna, it's for a whole hour. That's a long time to pray. And I think if you're around New Life enough, that, that's no big deal. But I remember the, the first time hearing about like people just getting together and going to pray for an hour was like, wow, that's, that's a long time. And I remember going to that prayer meeting and being like, man, I'm setting in for the long haul. This is going to be brutal. Better just stick with it. And it was like, wow, the presence of the Lord was there. We read scripture. We uh, leaned into prayer. We prayed over each other. And the time flew by. I was like, wow, that was amazing. I got really acquainted with prayer like that for the first time. And it was wonderful. Prayer and fasting is like a furnace for our life that gets hot and metal is able to go into the furnace and get bent and shaped into the tools that God wants us to be. And so prayer is, is like that. We're gonna have a, just as, as kind of part of announcements, I guess, uh, Holy Week, the week leading up to Easter on Wednesday. We usually have a prayer meeting on the first Wednesday of every month when we join the other congregations at New Life North. Well, this coming uh, first Wednesday, it's 
April 5th, we'll be doing an all-day prayer. And you could come for part or whole or an hour or half hour. Throughout the day, is it 8? We're going to do 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., Erica. Season is 7.30 to 7.30. We'll let you know more details. New Life Manitou is going to pick a slot in there. And we're devoting a whole day as a church to prayer. And there's something about this furnace of prayer and, and fasting. And let me talk a little bit about fasting because... That's brutal. You know what fasting is, fasting food? Some of you, I, I feel like you heard me wrong and you just said, oh, Joe's gonna talk about fast food. <laughs> I'm talking about fasting <laughs> meals. And uh, there, there's, I think it's just really hard to, to go without food. I remember the first time, the same, uh, under the same group of friends that were really, uh, just really strong in the Lord and, and their faith, uh, these same friends that were praying for an hour, uh, we're, we're fasting like one day a week. They're like college kids just going for it for, for the Lord and leaning in. I, I kind of, they were kind of secretive about it and I found out and I was like, you guys aren't eating today? Like you're not eating, eating breakfast? And what about lunch? And no chilies later? No Applebee's? Like, like what, you're going the day without food? And my first thought was really like, you're gonna die. Like, mark my words. You're dead. You're not gonna survive a day. And, and it turns out that they didn't die. And, and some of you are laughing because you know you can go a day without food. But it's brutal. And, and Jesus talks about when you fast. And certainly there's, there's other things we can fast. There's, there's plenty of reasons for, for like medical reasons for people to, to not fast. And there's other things you can give up like uh, either like types of food like meats or alcohol or sweets or treats or there's things you can give up like watching TV or social media. There's th- all these things. In fact, we're a culture that we've talked about Lent before, the 40 days leading into Easter. Many of you are, are giving up things for, for Lent and fasting those things. And that's, that's the kind of culture that's around here, that people that go without, people willingly lay down their desires to increase their desire for God. Prayer and fasting, once again, is like a furnace for our life that like can heat up and, and then our, the, the tools that God can use inside of us get sharpened and made right. And just one last thing about fasting. I could really take a whole Sunday and talk about it. Um, but fasting is kind of, it's, it's, I think since it's really hard, uh, there's some, let me say it like this, there's some Christian bullying. <laughs> I'll explain what I mean by that. But if you find out someone's fasting, uh, what inevitably happens is the snarky joke based on this passage is like, oh, now that we know you're fasting, you just lost your reward. Have you heard that joke? Like it's, it's kind of a, just a snarky comment. Well, now that we know that you're fasting, you just lost your reward because Jesus says you're supposed to do it in secret and now we know. So now you lost your reward, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and we would never do that. You know, if you find out someone is getting up early and praying or started a prayer journal or someone has started like, oh, I'm gonna commit to reading the Bible in a year. Or if someone is like, I'm, I'm devoted to um, coming to church every Sunday, or I'm devoted to being a part of the men's group, or I've started an accountability group, we would, ne- like, we would never say, well, now, now that I know you've lost your reward. <laughs> like, but I think it's like fasting is kind of, it's just so hard that, that the reason why you get bullied is because you're like trying to put someone else down. Let's not do that. Let's be a culture that, that celebrates 
one another and encourages one another because fasting, praying is so hard, because giving, it is hard, it requires faith. Let's encourage each other in this way. And so that's a little bit of the encouragement. I told you I would encourage you. And so this is for all of us. If, if you're wondering, like, oh, is, is this giving thing? Is this fasting thing? Is this praying is taking a you know an hour or an afternoon or a full day or a week this this whole thing of the devoted life to Christ is that for the spiritually elite is that for somebody else and here's the encouragement for you no it's for it's for you in fact it's especially for you if you're listening to this and you're like that, that, that's impossible. Like, how, how could I go and do that? That's something I've never done before. If I was able to do that, it would only be with the Lord's help. Did you catch what I just said? If, if I was able to do that, if I was able to, you know, take a day and just spend, spend it praying, like, that sounds brutal. But if I was able to do that, it would only be with the Lord's help. Well, that's, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, that's, that's why we do it, for the Lord's help, for walking closer with the Lord, who is this for when Jesus tells us when you fast, when you pray, when you give? Who's it for? It's for all of us. It's especially for you if, you, if you're not familiar with these things. If you're like, I've never heard of fasting. If you were like me when I was in my college days of like, I've never heard of that. Like I've never praying for like an extended time. That, that's, wow, that's interesting. I've, I guess I've heard about it in the Bible, but I've never heard like people, friends doing this. This is for you. There's uh, movies that uh, celebrate the underdog becoming a winner, right? There's plenty of movies that fall into that genre, whether it's a sports theme or business theme or just someone doing better in their life or uh, an underdog becoming a winner. And usually at some point in the movie, there's like a scene, it's very short, but of them working hard and persevering and practicing and doing the work, right? It's like a 15 to 20 second montage set to music. And you know what? That kind of scene makes me mad. And I'll tell you why it makes me mad. Because it's kind of a mockery of like how much work this person had to do in order to get better, right? And, and, and so I'm like, man, I wish the whole movie should be about like how hard it is to get disciplined and work really hard. That's how they became a winner from the underdog to a winner's all that hard work. And so sometimes I wish they shouldn't even show that scene. They should just kind of secretively refer to it. And there's a movie that does this really well. And I'm going to say the name of the movie. And half of you I'll take that back. More than half of you are going to roll your eyes that I'm mentioning this movie and that I say that I really like this movie. Maybe all of you are going to roll your eyes. But there's this weird little movie called Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> it's about a true underdog, this really awkward kid with the name Napoleon. And he's a high school kid and just kind of, gosh, he's just kind of a loserly, weird, awkward kid. So I was like, oh, 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 it's just weird. It's just weird. Like everything about him is weird. And I love it because he's so weird. That's what makes the movie so funny. And uh, he secretively practices in his room every day after school his dance moves. 
he gets a VHS tape from the thrift store. Like, how lame is that? And he, you see him go into his room, shut the door, and, and the camera just kind of pans out, and you hear him start to practice. And then you, you kind of realize throughout the movie, like, he's doing this every day. One, one time he comes out of his room, and his uh, brother's girlfriend, LaFond, is there, and he's all sweaty. And she's like, why are you all sweaty? And he says, I'm practicing my dance moves. And he takes a squig of Gator Egg. And, and it's just like, oh, that's just like, they're just kind of hinting at it throughout the movie. And then at the end of the movie, the best scene ever, the best dance scene ever, ever in like all of cinema is Napoleon Dynamite gets up at a uh, student uh, talent show and he walks up and he's all awkwardly looking and the, everyone, in the, everyone in the audience is just like, oh gosh, this is gonna be horrible. This poor kid's gonna dance for us. This is gonna be horrible. The music comes on and what happens? The best dance scene ever. Like it's amazing. He's, all these dance moves Pulled off, and I realize you're rolling your eyes because I'm quoting this in a sermon, and I'm now about to compare it with the Christian life. But I think about doing, practicing, getting disciplined in your, you know, behind closed doors, secretively, only the Lord is your audience, and then having these moments where your light shines and you are a gift and everyone seeing it is like, wow, this is, this is truly God's work inside of you. We're not talking about Napoleon Dynamite anymore. We're talking about the work of God inside of us shining so that all can see it. We, we spend time in prayer so that when uh, someone asks us to pray, we don't just say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. But what do we actually do? We actually pray for them. We spend time as Christians giving up things, whether it's fasting of meals or whether it's giving up certain things as a pattern in our lives so that when real temptation comes, we're not impulsively just jumping into it. We're like, no, I've, I've spent time saying no to these other impulses and desires so that when temptation comes, I'm ready. I, I, I know what to do. I'm used to this. We spend time uh, maybe memorizing scripture. So that when someone comes to us and says, hey, I'm going through this hard situation, you could say, oh, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of this verse. And you're able to quote a passage of scripture or a couple verses and show them where it's at in the Bible. We read our Bible. We study it so that we can explain the truth, the good news to others when the time comes. We live our lives. The title of this sermon was we live our lives and should pivot. Our faith should pivot from private devotion to public demonstration. The last point this morning is this. The other side of this is to let our light shine. That if we're living in such a way that we are carrying out the disciplines and living our lives just for the audience of God himself, well then when the time comes, we can live in such a way that people will see, oh, they're good works, that we are a light on a lampstand, that we are a city on a hill and people will see these things and not say, oh, good job, you, good job, Joe, but they will say, oh, praise the Lord for that light that's inside of you. It's not, it's not our own light, it's God's light in us shining that gives God the glory, amen? amen. So let me, uh, I'll preface it with this. One of the great things about being 
a, a congregation of New Life Church amongst eight congregations is that uh, the pastors get together on, on usually on Tuesday mornings and we talk about our sermons. We, we, we share, share notes. We're all on the same uh, theme and, and we're kind of all going through right now the Sermon on the Mount. And a couple weeks ago, Daniel Grothy uh, from New Life Friday Night, he preached on this passage and showed a picture that was just an image of like, wow, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. That's faith in secret for the reward and the glory of God. The picture is of uh, two eagles. You could see uh, there's one eagle there. Do you see, do you see the other eagle? It's kind of like a, you've got to find him. Uh, there's one eagle, that's the dad. He's like, what's going on? And then the mom eagle is right there in the snow. Do you know what she's doing? Keeping the eggs warm. Good job. That's exactly what the mom is doing. So this picture is, and you'll have to do this later. Not now. Don't get distracted. But later, uh, Google Minnesota Eagle camera. And the, the Minnesota State Wildlife Division has a camera set up on these eagles. And a couple, last month in February, the, the mom eagle laid the eggs. And they've been sitting on the eggs Ever since the incubation time is about 40 days for an eagle egg. And this is like up north Minnesota. My wife's from north Minnesota. And remember like back around Christmas when it was like negative seven here and like schools were canceled and everybody's like, well, it's too cold to go to work. Cars won't start. That's a warm day in north Minnesota. I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, people like, I remember it was like negative two and we're like, oh, it's warm enough. Let's send out the kids out to play. And here we're like canceling school. But anyways, this is in northern Minnesota. A mom, they just had a huge dump of snow. I think it was like a foot and a half of snow. The temperatures dropped. And this is mom eagle sitting on some eggs. And mom and dad eagle will change places, never leaving the eggs without the warmth of one of the parents. Like never, for, for not even a minute or two. They're always changing places and sitting on these eggs overnight for 40 days. And I think about, wow, if that's an image of like devoted service to, to the eggs. And, and the hope is the eagle eggs will, will hatch and the little eagles will come out and then the little eagles will learn how to fly and the reward as parents of getting to see those uh, eagles, uh, eagle eggs turn into eagles, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's what life is all about. And I think about, well, the life of a Christian, isn't it sometimes like this? Like just doing the work, just praying in secret. No one knows about these eagles. Well, I guess everyone knows because they're on an eagle camera. But, but in the wild, like these eagles are just quietly, you know, every eagle that you see came from an egg that mom sat on for about 40 days and, and dad kind of came and took the time and place. But I think about parents in here praying for the prodigal. I think about uh, a life of prayer when you, when you hope that something's gonna happen and you pray for it and you're diligent and, and you're just waiting and hoping. And there's some of you, maybe all of us in here, are hoping and waiting for another day, another uh, something else to happen in life. And a lot of times, it's life of faith is like that, like a mom eagle sitting on the eggs, faithfully, devotedly serving and hoping for one day a reward. And I want to end with this, that Jesus says there will be a reward. He says, if you, if you do these things and they're unseen, then the Father will reward you. And we hope and pray that that reward will be in this life and the life to come. 
But if God himself says he's going to reward us, that's a pretty awesome promise. Because our God is the God that created the universe. It's God that when he says he's going to give us a reward, I can't imagine it being like a, like a tinker toy. Like it's going to be an amazing reward. The kingdom of heaven is often seen as a reward of entering into a feast. Behold, Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. And I, if you open the door and you come in, well, there's this heavenly image throughout scripture of a, of a grand feast that all of our earthly desires and hungers and wants and needs will be fulfilled in the kingdom. And it's all this reward. Like, look, it's all for you. As far as you can see, it's wonderful. It's great. The reward is in the kingdom of heaven. Would you stand with me? The band's gonna come forward and we're gonna sing one last song. And uh, I wanna invite everyone, if, if you're um, new to this congregation, we, we, we do communion. It's an open table. If anyone in here believes in Jesus, and you open up the door to God who is knocking, we, we want you to receive communion with us today. Uh, near your seats or baskets in your rows, make sure people around you have the elements. And I invite you to, to open up and take out the, the bread. And Jesus says that he is the bread of life. Jesus says, I think of the scripture that says, um, Behold, my body broken for you. And getting emotional just thinking about like the, the grace of God, the goodness of God, that, that so many of us think we need to work and so many of us think we need to earn salvation. And here Jesus is, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. And I think about the mystery of this communion, receiving it together, is that this is a mystery of the reward that is yet to come. So if you would, would you receive the bread with me in faith? And now we take the cup. Jesus says this cup is a, a cup of a new covenant. And we receive this, we receive the cup knowing that believing and hoping that our sins are forgiven and that it's all by his work inside of us, his light inside of us, his life inside of us. And now the mystery of receiving his blood inside of us, the, the mystery of the cup, his blood shed for us. Would you with faith receive the cup with me? So God, we thank you that your gifts are full of grace and love that we can come before you and receive. We don't need to work for salvation, but with our salvation, we go about life devoted to you. And so Lord, we thank you. We praise you for this heavenly gift, this reward. Lord, we honor you and praise you with our life in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.